You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. When people hear about Cain murdering his own brother Abel, they ask, how long did Cain hate his brother? The answer, as long as he was Abel. And after he killed him, the unrepentant Cain did pay a price, but at least he got to live. Abel was not so lucky. He was dead, murdered, an innocent victim of injustice. So what is he doing in a series about comebacks? This is the true comeback story of Abel. Well, good morning. Pastor Jonathan started this uh, true comeback story series with the comeback story of Moses. Moses, remember, gave up on himself, and God said, not so fast. You're a candidate for a comeback. Then we went with Samson, and Samson came to the end of his life, and all he had left was God. But how many are thankful when all you have left is God, you have what it takes for a comeback. Pastor Mark One of our former staff members visited last weekend with a message about uh, Jonah. And he basically said, all you need for a comeback is to simply come back. Next weekend, you're going to meet a single parent who came back from relational rejection and abandonment. Hagar's comeback story. But you know what? There's something missing in all these comeback stories. What happens when there's no possibility of a comeback? What happens both for Bible characters and for us today throughout the history of the human race when we had potential, but it was cut off and we're just left? You know, nothing we can do about it. What happens when there's an injustice and although we try to get justice, we don't get justice? What happens when there's no opportunity for a comeback? I'm going to tell you five real-life examples from the Bible and people today where there's just not a hope on earth for a comeback. It's starting with a 12-year-old boy in Syria. His father had become a follower of Jesus Christ, loved the Lord, and wanted to use his life for the Lord and began to work with a humanitarian organization called Christian Aid Mission. And uh, things were going so very well until uh, ISIS soldiers came to his village to do exactly what had been done in the villages they had just visited. You know, the rape stories and the murder and the torture. And and they found out about this 12-year-old boy and his dad who worked for Christian Aid Mission. And uh, they began to torture the son. And they said, we're going to continue to torture your son until you renounce your faith in Jesus Christ and return to your Islam roots. And I won't get into all the gruesome details because the ruthless cruelty went from cutting off the boy's fingers in front of his dad to, you you can just imagine how bad that it got. Until they were both tortured and murdered because they would not back down from what they knew to be true, that Jesus Christ was their only Savior and Lord and God. But you know, someone got out of Syria to tell their story 
But there are thousands of followers of Jesus in Syria who their, their blood was shed and it cries out from the ground, but no one's there to hear it. And, and it's not just in Syria, but throughout northern Africa, Sri Lanka, today in Cameroon, there are just so many people that are being killed because of their ethnicity, which is hated, or because they're not Muslim enough, or because they're followers of Jesus Christ. And in every one of their cases, I mean, what are we going to say? I know this is serious stuff, but what are we going to say? They're, 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 their potential is cut off prematurely. They don't have a life to live. They're killed. In, injustice seems to rule. Justice is incomplete. And there's no opportunity for a comeback. And remember what happened on the streets of Toronto just last year? Spring began with a man driving a van up onto the sidewalks of Young Street, just straight west of us here. And by the time he was finished, 10 innocent people are dead. Their blood was on the sidewalks of Young Street. And by the end of this month, we'll be at the first anniversary of the Danforth killings that saw an 18-year-old woman, a 10-year-old girl, killed, bloodshed, and the Danforth. And another woman who tried to rescue uh, the girl paralyzed for the rest of her life. Potential cut off. Justice is incomplete. No opportunity for a comeback for those ones. And then there's a third example, and that's in your life and my life. Some of us have, throughout our extended family and friendship systems, we've had bloodshed, innocent bloodshed. But for every one of us, there's been heartbreak, there's been injustices, betrayal, ripped off financially. Stuff has happened to us. Broken promises, broken dreams, potential cut off. We, we all know what it's like to go through injustices in this life. And, and you, I mean, it's not like you can just come back from everything. Sometimes it's over, over. It's done and dusted. Nothing to come back from. I mean, where's the comeback story from injustices where potential's lost, never to be retrieved? And I said there were five examples. Here's the fourth one, Cain and Abel. They each had equal potential to live with God. They each, listen, they each had equal potential to know God, to live for him, to have his blessing in their life, to live close to God. See, their parents were told, Adam and Eve, parents were told that even though you chose to live life without God, without following his perfect plan, one is coming who's going to give a comeback story for the whole human race. Already, God was telling Adam and Eve about Messiah Jesus coming someday. Through the seed of the woman, one will come. Crush the serpent's head. And then with the next generation, Cain and Abel, God sort of is setting the stage for Jesus to come. How? He said, I want you to learn to offer sacrifices. And in order to offer an acceptable sacrifice, take an innocent animal and let the blood be shed. Now you say, that's cruel and that's horrible. Well, how many know sin is very expensive? <laughs> Look around the world, what people do to each other. It needs a drastic solution that is going to be sufficient. And innocence has to come from somewheres. 
And so when innocent animals, blood is shed, and, and, and God said, you know, you do that, and that innocence will be transferred over to you as a human, and, and you, you know, it will cover over your sin temporarily until the next sacrifice. You know, that's exactly an illustration of what we're going to do at the end of my teaching time today. You know, Pastor Richard referred to Jesus Christ as the final ultimate sacrifice. How many are thankful that he came into our brokenness and he gave his innocence to us? <laughs> we give him our, our sin, our guilt, our shame. He gives us his righteousness. It's called, theologians call it substitutionary atonement. Someone substitutes for the guilty and on the basis of their righteousness, that person is considered righteous. The innocence trans. So Abel got this. He took an animal. He sacrificed it just as God had said. Uh, Cain says, not going to do that. I'm going to come to God on my own terms. And there won't be any bloodshed. I'm going to come to God my way. And then when his offering was not accepted, guess what he did? He shed blood. Of his brother. By the way, did you catch on the opening video how long did Cain hate his brother? As long as he was? Abel. Yeah, okay, you got that. <laughs> but there he is. And then you look at it, and it looks like Cain gets to live. Abel is murdered. His life is cut short. Justice is incomplete. And Abel has no opportunity for a comeback. Except when God goes to Cain, he says something very curious and very helpful. Look at this. He says, where is your brother, Abel? You can just, I, 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 well, I don't like this guy's attitude. I don't know. My brother's keeper. He lies to God and gives God attitude. Anyway, what a, I won't say it. Keep her going here. The Lord said, what have you done? Now notice he says, listen. Listen for what? What are you listening for, Cain? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This will help you understand all the Old Testament animal sacrifices, the book of Hebrews and what Jesus did on the cross. Watch this now. Innocent blood has an ability to speak. Did you know that? Innocent blood shed has the ability to speak. Abel's blood cries out to who? To God. When there's no one around to hear it, no witnesses, no one's tweeting about it, there's no journalists, God hears. God hears. Innocent blood cries out to him from the ground. And, and, and speaking of, of Jesus, his arrival on the planet. Get this now. How many multiple millennia later did Jesus arrive on planet earth after Abel? Do you know what Jesus says? Jesus tells people in his audience, he says, you know what? Abel's blood is still crying out. Still outstanding. The justice is still incomplete. He's still crying out. You say, where does he say that? Well, look at this. He says, therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the Blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of, that's a prophet, Zechariah. Jesus said, it's still, it's still crying out. <laughs> Multiple millennia later, 
Abel's blood is still speaking because it's innocent bloodshed. Speaking of Jesus' arrival on the planet, he's the fifth and final and by far the most drastic example of a life cut short, potential cut short. I mean, in Israeli in his 30s, every day Jesus lived on the planet, people were healed and helped. <laughs> cut short, crucified. And injustice? Not only from a legal perspective was the trial, both from a Roman and Jewish religious law perspective, it was an illegal trial from both perspectives. But the governing authorities that authorized the crucifixion said, I find no fault in him. His blood be upon you and your children. Justice is incomplete. But remember this, though. The innocent blood has the ability to what? To speak, to cry out to God. So what do you think Jesus' blood was saying? His blood lived a perfect life? Innocent bloodshed? What's it saying? Well, Hebrews tells us to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Notice it cries out about heaven. You have come to God the judge, there's the justice, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and then it says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of. So, so Abel's innocent blood is still crying out, but it says when Jesus' innocent blood cries out, it's crying out for something totally different. Abel's blood cries out for revenge. Jesus' blood cries out forgiveness. Justice, real justice, and heaven. That's what Jesus' blood cries out for. Let's, let's take a closer look. Cries out for forgiveness. All have sinned and fall short. We all have this, God has this potential for the human race and the potential for every one of us. And we all fall short. We all mess up. We all do stuff that we, ah, that wasn't what I should have done. That wasn't my potential. We all fall short of our potential. And, and here's the thing about God. Do you know that God will speak to you both preventatively and then redemptively? He'll try and keep you from messing up, and when you do mess up, he'll try and cleanse up the mess up. Do you know he did that with Cain? Cain, who gave God that attitude, he didn't own his stuff. God speaks to him preventatively. Listen, slow down your reading of Cain and Abel next time you go through Genesis, and here's what you'll find. God comes to Cain, first of all. He gets him in the early stage of a sin that's just growing in his heart. He says, why are you angry, Cain? If you do right, will you not be accepted? Words, before it gets worse, Cain, come back from your anger. Come back from this early stage before it moves in a more destructive direction. And then God comes to Cain and he says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It's right there. You're just about to implode to destroy yourself and your brother. God's big. Can you hear the father heart of God? He's saying, Cain, it doesn't have to go down like this. And then God comes and he says, Cain, you must master sin that will only destroy you. God's saying, you can do this, Cain. You can do this. And then even after 
Cain just stubbornly goes his own way, his own plan instead of God's way, God's plan. God keeps reaching out to Cain. Did you know that? He reaches out to him. It's too late now for the preventative, but now God's reaching out to him redemptively. You read the verse with me. Where is your brother? It's an opportunity for Cain to own his stuff, to tell the truth, to confess, to say, God, I did wrong. But he refuses to own his stuff. There's no remorse. He rejects God. He spends the rest of his life rejecting every opportunity God gives him for a comeback. You see, how many have found this out about God? He'll respect our free will. He will. He won't force us to follow him. He won't force us to go his way because that's not love. He wants people who love him to follow him. And Cain just insists on going his own way. You know, my favorite writer, C.S. Lewis, says it this way. He says, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Cain insisted on living life selfishly his own way. But how many are thankful for those who say, your will be done? God, I come to you, I confess. Remember that wonderful verse the Apostle John gave us? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He'll take that, that righteousness, that, that innocence, that holiness of Jesus and give it to us. <laughs> and, it, and he cleanses away all of the bad stuff. Every part of falling short, every injustice we have done, he just cleanses it all away. Someone should say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out forgiveness, cleansing, redemption. What else does the blood of Jesus cry? We saw it in the verse in Hebrews. It cries out justice, real justice. Hebrews 11 is called the Bible's Hall of Fame. Do you know all those cutouts that we have in the lobby? By the way, I was doing a vow renewal uh, service with uh, two to 300 people right in this room a couple of weeks ago. And most of the people that came to it weren't even from our church. Some of them had never been probably in a church before. But when they came in and they saw all those cardboard cutouts, I was out there. You should have seen their faces. Oh, oh. You know, they just didn't know. Are these real people? No, they're not. And then, of course, they met me, and everything was fine. No, I'm just... But you could just see, you know. But those cardboard cutouts represent a lot of the people that you will meet in the Bible's Hall of Fame. You know, Toronto has its Hockey Hall of Fame. We thought maybe we'd have a basketball. Anyway, we won't go there. We... But the Bible has a Hall of Fame, and, and all those heroes, the ones that we're meeting in the comeback series are there. Moses, Samson, Jonah's not named specifically, but it says the prophets, and Jonah was a prophet. Abraham is there. And when you meet them, you just think, wow, what an amazing group of people. But you need to know something about these people. First of all, you need to know who's at the top of the list. Now, it's because he came chronologically before the rest of them. But listen, it says, by faith, Abel. And then it lists off all of these 
Old Testament Bible heroes, and then it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. Now, what, what, what's this doing in there? They did not receive the things promised. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So, didn't receive it here on earth, longed for a heavenly city. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Sometimes stuff happens here on earth that is just like justice is incomplete. But in, in God's way of doing things, because he is righteous in all his ways, how many understand justice delayed is not justice denied? There's some justice we're just going to have to wait for. It will be incomplete here on earth, but there's an afterlife to go to. What's God doing in the meantime? Well, he's not willing that any should perish. How many know in the meantime, God is reaching out to the kings of the human race redemptively, trying to see them make a comeback. But Jesus is very clear. There is coming a day where he will judge and every wrong will be made right. And he will judge completely, finally, and perfectly. So I, I want to just take a moment right now to get you ready for our communion time in a few moments because I think it's a great occasion for every one of us just to look at our lives and think of all the people that have done injustices against us. Every person where you can say, you know, I, my life could have been this, but then this person did that and now it turned out like that. This incident happened circumstantially and now my life is going in a totally different direction. I, I'm held back my potential has been lost in some areas. This injustice has been done. And I want to speak to every person online and every person in this room in Toronto who's carrying an injustice. Something may have happened recently, but it may have been a long time ago, and you struggle to let go of it. Instead, you torture yourself unnecessarily. Now watch this, you're wrecking the potential that you could have in another area of your life for the rest of your life. Because you're hanging on to that. You say, yeah, but there's nothing more that I can do but to remember and think of what could have been. No, 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 no. Listen, there is something that you can do, dear one. You know what you can do? You can leave it with the one who will do something about it. And he will how many know he is just in all of his ways? Like Abraham said it. He said, you know, I didn't receive everything that I promised, but I do know this. Will not the judge of the earth do what is right? Yes, he will. We can trust him with the unfinished business of this life. We can trust him with the injustices. The blood of Jesus cries out, and it says forgiveness, cleansing. You, you don't, even when it's not deserved, I, I give it to you. The, the blood of Jesus cries out and, and speaks justice. Justice. There will be justice. And the blood of Jesus Christ cries out and it says heaven. It says heaven. Heaven. Now, we've talked about Jesus taking care of situations where potential's cut off. 
situations where there's injustice in this life. But what about, what about when there's death? It's just over. There's no opportunity for a comeback, right? Right? Wrong. I know it's in here somewhere. I think Jesus did do something to death. I think we sang about it. Where is it? I know it's in here somewhere. Let me try and find it. Oh, yeah. I remember what he did. He destroyed it. (laughs) Completely and finally and ultimately. He destroyed it. With the most amazing comeback, the most epic comeback in the history of the human race, when Jesus stands there and says, I was dead, but now I am alive, and listen to this, I am alive forevermore. (laughs) He was, he is, and he is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who is alive, and he turns to you who are following him online. He turns to you in this room, and he says, because I live, you shall live also. That's what he did to death. He demolished it. He defeated it. He destroyed it. He renovated death into a doorway, into eternal life for every one of his followers. He says, I'm alive, and you're going to be too, and it's going to be forever. You know, Christians that are already in heaven have a lesson for us because we face, you know, injustices and we mess up and people mess up against us. And there's these false accusations that the evil one can get in there and magnify and escalate in our minds and say, you know, if you're a Christian, why did you mess up? If you're a Christian, why did that person do that to you? If you're a Christian, why did that accident happen and and take away your potential? If you're a Christian, why did you experience injustice? justice. Were you not living good enough? Listen, when the curtain is pulled back in heaven and we get a glimpse into the future, when we are before the Lord, here's what you see. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, notice it's accuser of Christians, brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God, just like the blood of Jesus Christ cries out. There's these false accusations. There's these, why the injustices? Some kind of Christian you are. Why was your potential cut short? Who accuses them before our God day and night? He has been hurled down. I just thought of that. You know how we say somebody hurled? Anyway, where did that come from? They triumphed over him by the, yeah. That's how they, the blood of Jesus Christ spoke a better word. By the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives. I think of the Christians in, in, in Syria, the martyrs throughout history, who would not deny they knew Jesus and they loved him. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. How many say, I'm looking forward to dwelling in my permanent residence forever with the Lord, where there will all be justice forever. And no potential will ever be cut short. That's because Jesus conquered death. I'm going to invite our communion servers just to head out into the lobby to prepare themselves. You can watch on the screens out there, communion servers. I've been a pastor since 1977. I expected a big gasp. People just, I can't believe that he's that old, 77. Wasn't even born then. 
I've been through every church I pastored, some of the worst experiences that people on planet Earth can go through. I think at the time in Edmonton, it was just in my early 20s, and there's this family that had the baby that was born with a defect, and we prayed, but the baby died. What are you going to say? Ah, come back! What are you going to say? I've been with a family. The children were robbed of their young mother because of a drunk driver. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? The very, one of the very first funerals I had since coming to pastor in Toronto was right here in this room. It was full of people because a young man, an innocent young man, was caught in some gang crossfire and was killed. So what do you say? What do you say? The comeback story is just... Except, you know, when I, I've learned this. When I don't know what to say, I let the blood of Jesus Christ speak. You know what he says? He says, even if there's death, <laughs> there can be a comeback story. Isn't that wonderful? I remember my, my, my dad, I was thinking about the other day, he was a year and a half older than what I am now when he died of cancer. He did so much good as a follower of Jesus in his life, went retired early from the mounted police to go and serve on the mission field, paying his own way as a volunteer. He just did so much good. Just didn't seem right. Seemed he was potential was cut off an injustice. It just didn't seem right. But like my dad, in these other situations I've talked about, I've had occasion when there's a tragic death, to stand at the graveside and say, I, I'm realistic. I'll say, death, you've done your worst. And it's tragic and we hurt and we grieve. But death, you do not have the final word here. That belongs to he who conquered death and rose from the dead and said, because I live, you shall live also. I remember standing with family and friends at the graveside in Langley, British Columbia. Visit it when I go out there just to remember and be challenged by my dad's example to be faithful to Jesus as long as I have life here on earth. And I remember just saying, cancer? Because we are all thinking it. Cancer, you've done your worst. Some would say you've taken our dad, our husband, our friend. But cancer, you do not have the last word. <laughs> you have not taken our dad. Jesus has taken our dad. Because Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. They will live forever. They will have everlasting life. Oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Jesus Christ has defeated death. We give the praise to the victorious one, Jesus Christ. You see, if you're looking for justice on every issue this side of heaven, if you're looking for every potential to be restored, uh, well, thank God he restores. 
And he heals. And he helps. But how many understand your pastor? Pastor Keith is saying, it's not all going to happen here. <laughs> but it is going to happen. It's going to happen. So when you, when, when, you, when you experience something potential taken away, and it seems like there's nothing more you can do about it, just remember that that's not the final conclusion. Jesus' blood speaks. It has the last word. It has, and it speaks about redemption and restoration. When you experience injustice in this life and you've done everything you can to hold people accountable with a clean heart, not wishing ill against them, but just trying to do what is right, even if the court systems of this great country fail you, whatever situation you find yourself in this lifetime, how many understand that the final verdict will not come in here. It will happen there. And the judge of the whole earth will do what is right. And what about a comeback when we die? None of us know when we're going to die. Our times are in his hands. But do you know what? When we die, how many understand we are in for another great comeback? <laughs> yes, we are. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I'm going to come back and take you to be where I am. And where I am, there you will be also, and it will be forever. How many can say hallelujah? How many can say enough said? <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that the blood that you shed on Calvary 2,000 years ago is still speaking up for us. <laughs> Whatever failures and missteps and mistakes, whatever harm we have done against others that we try to make right, Lord, we can just bring them before you. Instead of listening to our minds being accused and put down, we can listen to what you have to say about them. Lord, I pray for this communion time that it would be a special communion time where each one of us would just bring to you not only our own failures, but sins against us. And we would just say, Jesus, we entrust them to you. We're not going to let them rob us of our potential of walking into what you have for us for the rest of our lives. Lord, we, we, we leave some injustices of this life to the time of the final judgment where we know that you'll do what is perfect, what is right, and what is just completely. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, what will we do without you? Past, present, and future. But we look forward to a future with you. Thank you that even in heaven we'll join together and it'll still be the blood of Jesus Christ that not only pays our admission to heaven, but cries out for us once we get there. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. You will be our, the one that we praise for all of eternity because of what you have done for us. So Lord, just hear us now as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we praise the name of the Lord our God. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.